السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمد و نصلی علی رسوله الكریم اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشیطان الرجیم بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم رب اشرح لي صدری ویسر لي امری واحلل عقدتا من لسانی یفقه قولی ربنا زدنا علما کتاب التیمم The Book of Tayammum Tayammum literally means Al-Qasd to intend In the Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَلَا تَيَمَّمُ الْخَبِيثَ مِنْهُ تُنْفِقُونَ وَلَسْتُمْ بِآخِذِهِ إِلَّا أَن تُغْمِضُوا فِيهِ That when giving, when spending in the way of Allah then do not even intend that which is impure لَا تَيَمَّمُ الْخَبِيثَ So Tayammum literally means to intend Shara'an, in the Sharia, what does the word tayammum mean? Tayammum is qasdu al-sa'id al-tayyib limasihil wajhi wal-yadayni minhu. It is to intend purity by the use of clean soil by wiping some of it over the face and the hands. This is what tayammum is. Qasdu al-sa'id al-tayyib limasihil wajhi wal-yadayni minhu. Now in wudu, certain body parts are washed with the water. But in tayammum, what is done? Only the face and the hands are wiped. And remember that mud is not rubbed over, sand is not rubbed over, but literally dusty hands are simply wiped over the face and the hands. And tayammum is performed in order to obtain purity, in order to obtain purification. For what purpose? For the purpose of salah. Whether it is done to come out of minor impurity or major impurity. So basically, tayammum is an alternate for what? Wudu as well as ghusl. And it is jaiz, it is completely permissible. It is proven in the kitab, in the Quran, in the sunnah, as well as ijma'ul muslimin. Meaning there is a consensus of the scholars as well. When it comes to tayammum, the permissibility of doing tayammum for the purpose of salah in order to come out of impurity. But when it comes to coming out of major impurity, meaning for a junah person to perform tayammum, there is ikhtilaf. Alright? When it comes to a junah person performing tayammum to become pure, there is ikhtilaf. But the stronger opinion of the two is which one? That tayammum is permissible for the junah. Meaning he can do tayammum in place of ghusl. قَوْلُ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى The statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فَلَمْ تَجِدُوا مَاءً فَتَيَمَّمُوا سَعِيدًا طَيِّبًا فَمْسَحُوا بِوُجُوهِكُمْ وَأَيْدِيكُمْ مِنْهُ This is the ayah which is found in, which is from Surah Al-Ma'idah. Right? Ayah number 6. Now Imam Bukhari's book, Imam Bukhari's collection is of Masail and Dalail. He mentions questions and he also mentions evidences. He raises questions and problems that could occur and then he presents evidences, answers to them. And this is the reason why he mentions the verses of the Qur'an. He also mentions athab, the statements of the scholars. And then he also mentions a hadith. So it's not just a book of hadith. It's a book of masail, of various issues, precepts regarding religion, regarding fiqh, which is why you will see all sorts of evidences in his collection. Now over here he mentions a verse of the Qur'an which proves tayammum and which tells us in which case tayammum should be done and how it should be done. This ayah in Surah Al-Ma'idah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِذَا قُمْتُمْ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ That when you stand for prayer, then what should you do? Do wudu. How? فَاغْسِلُوا وُجُوهَكُمْ وَأَيْدِيَكُمْ إِلَى الْمَرَافِقِ وَامْسَحُوا بِرُؤُوسِكُمْ وَأَرْجُلَكُمْ إِلَى الْكَعْبَيْنِ in the case of Janaba, Allah says, 
فَطَّهَرُوا meaning take a bath. So wudu is mentioned, ghusl is mentioned, and then tayammum is mentioned. وَإِن كُنْتُمْ مَرْضَى If you are sick, أَوْ عَلَى سَفَرٍ or on a journey, أَوْ جَاءَ أَحَدٌ مِّنْكُمْ مِنَ الْغَائِضِ Or one of you has used the toilet, أَوْ لَا مَسْتُمُ النِّسَاءَ Or you have had relations with the women. So basically several cases are mentioned over here. Sickness, journey. Sickness means a person may have water, he's not able to use water. Journey means a person does not have water. And then two cases are mentioned. Toilet is used or a bath is necessary. So a person needs to become pure from minor impurity as well as major impurity. In all of these cases, Allah says, فَلَمْ تَجِدُوا مَاءً When you do not find water, then what should you do? فَتَيَمَّمُوا سَعِيدًا طَيِّبًا Then do تَيَمَّمُوا سَعِيدًا With سَعِيد that is طَيِّب How? فَمْسَحُوا بِوُجُوهِكُمْ وَأَيْدِيكُمْ مِنْهُ Wipe your faces and hands from it. Now we see over here, the tayammum cannot be performed in any situation. Alright? Meaning that whenever a person finds it convenient to perform tayammum, he does it. No. Tayammum, there is a condition for it. Meaning only in certain circumstances, a person is allowed to perform tayammum. So what's that condition? The condition is unavailability of water and sickness or fear of sickness. And in the case of sickness, a person may have water. The water may be available, but the use of water may harm him. And in a hadith, we learned that once a companion, he became junub in the night. And when he woke up, he was afraid that if he took a bath, he would become extremely sick. So he just did tayammum. When the Prophet ﷺ found out, he asked him, that did you pray without ghusl? And he said that, I remember the ayah, وَلَا تَقْتُلُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ Do not kill yourselves. So this is the reason why I just did tayammum. And the Prophet ﷺ laughed. Right? Meaning he approved of his action. So this shows that there are two cases in which performing tayammum is permissible. Which cases are they? First of all, adamul ma, unavailability of water. When a person does not have water, whether he is at home or he is in a journey. Whether a person is at home or he's outside, when he does not have access to water, then in that case, what will he do? He will do tayammum. Secondly, the second condition, the second case is تَضَرُّ بِإِسْتِعْمَالِهِ That if a person uses water, he will actually suffer harm. He will actually suffer harm. Meaning that he is sick or he has a wound. He's perfectly healthy but he has a wound, let's say. And if he pours water, it's such a huge wound, all right, or that he's bleeding excessively, he fears that if he pours water over it, even around it, the skin is hurting. You know, some wounds are, are such. Or for example, he's burnt. So in that case, the use of water is actually going to harm him. He's going to suffer. His sickness is either going to get aggravated, or it is going to continue for a long time. Or it's going to get worse. So it might lead to his death. It, it might lead to him suffering much more. So in this case, what will he do? He will do tayammum. But remember that ta'avi, meaning just getting slightly hurt, that is not a valid case in which a person should do tayammum. So for example, the water is extremely cold. And a person feels that if I wash myself with it, if I do wudu with it, I'm going to get really cold, I'm going to freeze. One is that a person fears he's going to get sick. Already he's having chills, already body is really cold, he's feeling very weak. That is a different case. 
But the other is that you can quickly wipe yourself dry after doing wudu and you can quickly put something warm on yourself. You can heat yourself up. Uh, you can have a hot chocolate or a cup of tea and you can warm yourself. In that case, he has to do wudu. So ta'adhi, just being slightly hurt, in that case, taimum is not valid. Likewise, if the water is extremely hot, extremely hot, for example, it's out in the open and it's very, very hot outside. In that case, if he uses burning hot water, he's going to burn himself. But what can he do? He can take a little bit of water at a time, cool it down slightly, and then pour a little on himself. You know, there are natural hot water springs and people are encouraged to actually sit in it for a long time to bathe themselves with it. So ordinarily, a person does not want to touch that water even, but you can use bit by bit, a little by little, and eventually wash yourself with it. So in this case, he has to do wudu and not tayammum. Tayammum will be done with what? Sa'idan tayyiban. Sa'id. What is Sa'id? Ground, soil. Basically, Sa'id is كل ما تصاعد من الأرض. It is basically earth, meaning every kind of earth is Sa'id. Everything that is on the surface of the earth. That is the surface of the earth, the ground, natural ground. Whether it is in the form of sand, or it is in the form of mud, or it is in the form of rock, pebbles, whatever it may be. The Prophet ﷺ said, جُعِلَتِ الْأَرْضُ مَسْجِدًا وَطَهُورًا The entire earth has been made for us what? Masjid, a place of prayer and also a means of purification. So that means every kind of natural ground, natural soil, whatever material it is of, then what is it? It is Sa'id. Then Sa'id is also described as Wajhul Ard and Kulluma ala Wajhil Ard. It is also described as the face of the earth, meaning what you see, the ground, and everything that is on the surface of the earth. But that is on the surface of the earth, this has to be understood correctly. That is on the surface of the earth and is actually considered a part of it. So for example, you have mud. That is what? Sa'id, wajul ad. And on mud you have pebbles or rocks. Now rocks are considered part of the ground. Even though they are not huge, okay, even though you're not walking on a rocky mountain, they're just small rocks, small pebbles on the ground, on the mud. But even with those pebbles, you can actually do so that which is sitting on top of the earth, what's the condition? That it is considered part of the earth. Not something that has been placed on it, that has fallen on it from above, such as snow or such as leaves or such as a broken branch okay, of a tree. But no, something that is considered part of the earth. And remember that materials that the ground is not made of, such as wood or snow, then the scholars differed concerning that. Things that have fallen on the earth from above, that are not considered part of the ground, then scholars differed concerning it. Some scholars permitted it, that if it's on the ground, even if it's a broken piece of wood, you can do taimum with it. But other scholars said that no, it is not permissible unless it is attached to it. Unless it is attached to the ground. What does it mean? That for example, there is a tree. Okay, there is a tree. Not a piece of wood, but a tree. So the trunk is dusty, the trunk is there. Can you do taimum with that trunk? Yes, you can. Likewise, you're standing on a glacier. You're standing on a glacier. 
Now let's say that glacier is huge. You know, sometimes people go to such places where there's literally ice beneath your feet for miles and miles. You will find no mud. And you will have to dig really, really deep in order to find mud or even rock sometimes. It's all ice. It's all glacier. So that glacier, that ice is what? That is the ground. That is the ground. So in that case, you can do taimum even with that glacier. But the snow that has fallen, even if it has been sitting, you know, throughout the winter in front of your house or in your backyard, can you do taimum with that? No, you can't. Why? Because it has fallen from above. It is there temporarily. There is still ground beneath it. Yes, you can make wudu with the snow, but you will have to melt it and you will have to fulfill the conditions of wudu. Right? In the sense that you have to wash. And if you feel that it's going to harm you or if it's going to be very difficult or it's impossible to melt it, uh, then uh, in that case you're not going to use that snow. You're going to do something else. Now also remember that dust is not a condition, meaning it is not necessary that when you pat the ground with your hands, your hands have to get dusty. Okay, Which is why doing time with a glacier okay, or a rock or let's say granite or some kind of stone is permissible even if it's not dusty. Why? What's the evidence? Because when the Prophet ﷺ demonstrated to the companion how to perform tayammum, he pat his hands and then he blew them before wiping them on his hands and face. Why did he blow? Why? To get rid of the dust. If the dust was a condition, he would not have blown on his hands. Alright? So dust is not a condition. So for example, if you are using some rocks or pebbles and they're not dusty, you rub them on your hands, let's say, or you pat your hands on them, there's no dust on your hands or hardly any. Is that okay? Perfectly fine. Because you are using Sa'id. Now, if a wall, or let's say you say, okay, my kitchen, you know, the counter is granite, that's stone. Alright? This is what ground is made of. Or for example, you say porcelain tile, that even has, you know, some materials in it which is found in the ground. So can I do taimum with my granite countertop or can I do taimum with, let's say, porcelain tiles? This is a question. Remember that if the ground or that natural material is sealed with something, it's not the same anymore. Sheikh Bin Uthaymin, he was asked about doing taimum from a wall. He said, if a wall is built of something that comes from the earth, such as rocks or mud bricks, then it is permissible to use it for tayammum. But if the wall is covered with wood or paint, then in that case it won't be. But if there is any dust on it, then it may be used for tayammum. And there is nothing wrong with that. Why? Because it is like doing tayammum on the ground. Because dust particles, where do they come from? From the ground. But if there is no dust on it, then it is not from the earth and cannot be used for tayammum. You understand now? Or for example, you know, your fireplace has natural brick on it. It's not sealed. The brick is not sealed. You understand? And that brick is what? Natural material from the earth. So you can actually do tayammum with those bricks. Or even outside your house, there may be bricks. They're not sealed with anything. You can do tayammum with that. You may have a walkway made of stone tiles. Okay, natural stone tile. That is not sealed. You can do tayammum with that as well. But if it is sealed, then you cannot do taimum with that. Cement is also what? It's natural material. But if there is paint, okay, or like a water repellent material that has been put, then that's not permissible. But if they are sealed, in the case where they are sealed. I hope you don't have to go that far, inshallah. I'm sure you won't have to go down to the road to do taimum. I hope so, inshallah. I don't know though. 
When it comes to tar, I don't know what kind of material it is. Yes, you will do that. I'm talking about a case in which even, let's say there's a burn. You've covered part of that burn mark, but the rest of it is also hurting. The whole arm is hurting. Not an entire limb. You have to wash at least some of it. So for example, you are traveling and uh, you know that it's going to be a long flight. So instead of taking some mud with you, because it looks like powder, you might be in trouble. So what you do is you take some some stones with you. Now you're going to keep them in your bag and you feel that they're going to rub against each other and your bag is going to get all dirty. So what do you do? You wash them. Okay, You wash them and then you keep them. Can you do taimum with that? Yes, you can. It's not sealed. The natural material is still there. You just wash them. And that happens. Rain falls down from the sky, washing the rocks as well. So a washed rock or stone, you can still do taimum with that. I'm talking about like a granite countertop that is sealed. That's different. A porcelain tile. You rub your hand on it, nothing at all will come on your hand. If it's painted, no. If it's not painted, yes you can. See, in the plane, the reason why tayammum would be done is because, especially if you're traveling you know, with Muslims, imagine if all those 150 people or 200, 300 people start doing wudu, and they have to perform wudu multiple times for their salah, people won't have much water left. Or what will happen to the washrooms? Or sometimes the washrooms are so small, you can barely move. So how can you do tayammum in that? How can you wash your feet? It's sometimes very difficult. And sometimes it happens that may Allah protect everyone, but you know, let's say the flight landed, but they're not able to let the passengers go. And sometimes they're stuck in the plane for several hours. So in that case, they're out of water. Or there may be very little water left. And if people use up all the water for wudu, then what will be left for using the washroom or washing the hands? So in that case, they will do tayyimun. So Sa'idan, and the condition for Sa'id is it should be tayyib. What is tayyib? It is the opposite of khabith. And khabith means different things depending on the context. Over here, since the context is of tahara, the word khabith would give the meaning of najis. So tayyib would mean that which is not najis, that which is not impure. So in other words, a person is not allowed to do tayammum from soil, from mud, from stone, from clay, whatever. That is najis. No, you can only do tayammum from sa'id, that is tahir. Now, we have a different concept of clean and dirty. The word dirty comes from what? Dirt. So we think anything has dirt in it is dirty. No, this is not what the meaning of tayyib is, that it should not be dirty. It means that it should not be najis. Wipe what? Wipe with the sa'id tayyib, the wuju and the aidi. Wuju includes what is between the two ears and from the tip of the forehead to the bottom of the chin. So this is your face. So you have to wipe your face. And remember that it is not necessary in tayammum to make the dust reach every part of the skin, even that which is covered beneath the hair. So for example, in the case of a man, he's got a beard. When he's doing wudu, he's doing khilal. But in the case of tayammum, he doesn't have to pass his dusty fingers through his beard hair. He doesn't need to do that. You just wipe your face. That's it. Aidi, hands as well, you have to wipe. And this means only the hand and not the arm. The word yad also gives the meaning of arm, but only when a limit has been put. So for example, in the Quran, Allah says, وَأَيْدِيَكُمْ إِلَى الْمَرَافِقِ And your hands up to the elbows. So in that case, the arm is included. But when... A limit has not been prescribed, then yad means just the hand. So the front and the back of the hand. So rubbing the hands. And 
Notice over here that wujuh is mentioned first and id is mentioned next. So in tayammum, you wipe your face first, followed by wiping of the hands. Obviously, you will pat your hands on the dust to get the dust on, but you will not rub your hands first. You will wipe your face first. I have a question for you. You know how uh, if a person is not able to stand, then he sits and prays. And the reward for sitting and praying is less than standing and praying. So it's like sitting and praying is a rukhsa, is an allowance. So tell me, is tayammum a rukhsa? It's an alternative because the opposite of rukhsa is azima. Like when you have two options, one is more difficult, more demanding, and the other is less demanding. That which is more demanding brings more reward, and the one that is less demanding brings less reward. But remember that tayammum is rukhsa and azima. It is both, depending on how you look at it. It is allowance and excellence. How? With respect to absence of water, doing tayammum is rukhsa, because obviously when you're doing wudu, with every drop of water that falls down, sins are falling. That is the best thing to do. When that's not an option, then you do tayammum, right? But with respect to salah, it is azima because your your salah is 100% valid with tayammum. Even though there may be najas on your body, but you have no means of getting it off, you do tayammum, your salah is 100% valid. Bab. Now the evidence of tayammum in hadith. After the ayah, Imam Bukhari mentions hadith. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن عبد الرحمن بن القاسم عن أبيه عن عائشة زوج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عائشة ضلوا عنها she narrated قالت she said خرجنا we went مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم along with the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم في بعض أسفاره in one of his journeys in one of his trips we went along with him حتى until إذا كنا بالبيداء until we reached البيداء أو بذات الجيش or ذات الجيش. So this is the name of a place and the narrator is not sure which place Aisha radiallahu anha mentioned. Either she mentioned Bayda or ذات الجيش. Aisha radiallahu anha, she said when we reached that place, in قطعه, it broke عقدلي, a necklace that I had. So she was wearing a necklace. When they reached that point, it broke. And when it broke, obviously what happened? It fell. And once it fell, she didn't know where it was. So what happened? فَأَقَامَ So he stood, meaning he stopped, who? رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ عَلَى الْتِمَاسِهِ For the purpose of iltimasihi, searching it. iltamasa What does it mean? To search for something, to look for something. So the Prophet ﷺ stopped, meaning they stopped the trip, they stopped the journey. Why? So that he could look for her necklace. And when the Prophet ﷺ stopped, he was a leader. So what happened? وَأَقَامَ النَّاسُ مَعَهُ The rest of the people also stopped. Why? So that they could find her necklace. وَلَيْسُ عَلَى مَا And they were not on water. What does it mean? They were out of water. In that area, there was no water. There was no water hole, no well, no spring, nothing nearby. فَأَتَى النَّاسُ إِلَىٰ أَبِي بَكْرِنِ الصِّدِّيقِ So the people, they came to Abu Bakr al-Siddiq رضي الله عنهم. فقالوا, and then they said to him, أَلَا تَرَى مَا صَنَعَتْ عَائِشَةً Did you not see what your daughter, what Aisha رضي الله عنها did? أَقَامَتْ بِرَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ وَالنَّاسِ She stopped the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and the people. Because of her, everybody has had to stop. وَلَيْسُ عَلَى مَا They are not on water, meaning there is no water around here. وَلَيْسَ مَعَهُمْ مَا And they do not even have any water with them. They don't have any water bags. 
And in this area also there is no water. Look at what your daughter did. فَجَاءَ أَبُوْ بَكْرٍ To Abu Bakr anhu he came. وَرَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ And the Prophet ﷺ, he was wadi'un, he was one who was placing رَأْسَهُ his head عَلَى فَخِذِي upon my lap. So Aisha anha, she's narrating that Abu Bakr came while the Messenger of Allah ﷺ had placed his head on my lap. قَدْ نَامَ He was sleeping. فَقَالَ So Abu Bakr, he said, حَبَسْتِ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ وَالنَّاسِ you have habs. What does habs mean to? Restrain. So you have restrained, you have stopped the Messenger of Allah and the people. There is no water here. They don't even have any water. فَقَالَتْ عَائِشَةُ So Aisha anha, she said, فَعَاتَبَنِي أَبُو بَكْرِ So Abu Bakr anhu, he عَاتَبَنِي What does itab mean? To be very angry. You know, in the Qur'an we learn, وَلَاهُمْ يُسْتَعْتَبُونَ They will not be able to remove the anger. They will not be able to make Allah happy. So, itab is when someone is upset. So, atabani, he was very upset with me, he, he scolded me, he showed his anger. Atabani Abu Bakr. وَقَالَ And he said, مَا شَاءَ اللَّهُ أَنْ يَقُولُ Whatever Allah willed him to say. Meaning he said whatever Allah wanted him to say. Whatever Allah allowed him to say, he said, وَجَعَلَ And he began يَطْعُنُنِي What does يَطْعُنُنِي mean? That he began poking me. Okay, يَطْعُنُ He was poking me بِيَدِي With his hand فِي خَاصِغَتِي In the side. On the side he started poking her with his hand, with his finger. فَلَا يَمْنَعُنِي مِنَ التَّحَرُّكِ So nothing stopped me from moving إِلَّا except مَكَانُ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ عَلَى فَخِذِي the Prophet ﷺ, his head being in my lap. This is the only reason why I didn't move. Otherwise, she was hurting and she wanted to move. فَقَامَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وسلم, And then the Prophet ﷺ, he stood حِينَ أَصْبَحَ When he woke up عَلَى غَيْرِ مَاءٍ Without any water. So basically, the Prophet ﷺ, when he got up, there was no water. فَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ آيَةَ التَّيَمُّمِ Then Allah revealed the verse of tayammum. فَتَيَمَّمُوا So the people, they did tayammum. فَقَالَ أُسَيْد so Usaid ibn al-Hudayr, a companion, he said at that time, ما هي? It is not. بِأَوَّلِي First, بَرَكَتِكُمْ Your blessing, يَا آلَ أَبِي بَكْرِ O family of Abu Bakr. O family of Abu Bakr, this is not the first blessing we have received from Allah through you, because of you. قَالَتْ عَيْشَ رَضِلَوْا عَنْهَا She said, فَبَعَثْنَا الْبَعِيرَ Then we raised, we lifted the camel, الَّذِي كُنْتُ عَلَيْهِ On which I was فَأَصَبْنَا الْعِقْدَ تَحْتَهُ So we found the necklace under it. So we found the necklace under it. Now there are a number of lessons that we learn from this beautiful narration. The question is that if a woman's husband is, is lying down and his head is uh, in her lap, can her father see her in that state? Because in some cultures it is considered almost unlawful to touch one another in the presence of other people. That the husband and wife don't even sit next to each other. They don't even have any, any kind of physical contact, as if they're strangers or just acquaintances. So can they sit next to each other? Can they? Can one lie down in, in the sense that the way it has been described over here? Yes, as long as it is, you know, ma'roof, as long as it is decent, it's perfectly fine. Now, there are a number of things that we learn. First of all, we see that it was from the habit of the Prophet ﷺ that he would take along uh, one of his wives with him on his journeys. So we see that 
when a man is traveling, it is sunnah for him uh, to take along his wife. Okay? So next time your husband is traveling somewhere, you can ask him. The Prophet ﷺ would always take one of his wives with him. So I'd like to go with you too. Yes, and I'm the only one by the way. You don't need to draw lots. Okay? I mean, this was a sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Obviously, I'm not saying that every trip, it depends on what is possible for a person, what nature that trip is of. I'm just giving you ideas. Another important thing we learn in this hadith is the importance that Aisha anha attached to zina for the Prophet ﷺ, even in travel. That she was wearing a necklace when they were traveling. And the Prophet ﷺ wouldn't just travel for enjoyment, but rather his journeys were always for a purpose. Majority of the time they would be what? For the purpose of battle. So imagine Aisha anha is going on such a journey and she's wearing a necklace. And in another narration, we find out that she actually borrowed it from her sister. So this shows that a woman should adorn herself for her husband wherever she is with him. So for example, going somewhere, under your hijab, you can wear your earrings, you can wear your necklace. You can still make your hair nice. You can still do that. Under your abaya, you can still wear nice clothes. Because the moment you take your hijab off, the moment you take your abaya off, you should not be revealed to someone who is... You can fill in the blanks. Another important lesson we learn here is that the Prophet ﷺ had great regard for Aisha anha. That she lost a necklace and the Prophet ﷺ stopped himself and stopped everyone for the sake of her necklace. Look at how important she was and how important her belongings were to the Prophet ﷺ. Even we learned that when the Prophet ﷺ went for hajj, Aisha anha, you know, he made sure that she went and did her umrah. Everybody stopped so that she could go with her brother to Tanaim, put on her ihram, do her umrah, and then return. So this is the importance that he gave to his wives. But remember that it's always both-sided. Aisha anha, she gave importance to him. Look at how she's adorning herself. And she became important in his eyes as well. When you show to the other that they are important to you, then they will also show importance to you. They will also value you. When you show to someone that you need them, they will also feel that they need you. And this is what grows love between two individuals. Then we also see in this hadith, the tama'nina, the calmness of the Prophet ﷺ. That he did not become angry, he was not impatient. When she lost the necklace, when... You know, they couldn't find the necklace for so long. And then they stayed for so long, they still didn't find it until they got up to leave. They had no water. They had to pray without uh, water. And in, in another narration, we will find out that at that time, Tayammum had not been revealed. They actually prayed without Tayammum, the people. There was no concept of Tayammum. And later on, in this journey only, the verses of Tayammum were revealed. So, Look at how relaxed the Prophet ﷺ was throughout this incident. The rest of the people are panicking. They're complaining to Abu Bakr anhu. Abu Bakr anhu is coming to Aisha ﷺ, scolding her and physically disciplining her as well. But look at how calm, relaxed the Prophet ﷺ was. I mean, who could have more important work to do than the Prophet ﷺ? Because we feel that we have to do so much important work that's so time sensitive and it's so urgent and it has to be done within a certain amount of time. And if it's not done, then 
Allahu a'lam what will happen and we become so impatient and we show anger, we show frustration, we yell at each other and this is something that wastes ajr. Look at the attitude of the Prophet ﷺ, look at the attitude of the rest of the people. If anyone had the right to be upset, it was him. But he was calm to the point that he slept. And he's sleeping where? With his head in the lap of Aisha As if she's not even made to feel or realize that she's done anything wrong. Or that she has been careless. Or that she should be more careful next time. What do we do? If a person makes a mistake, and nobody makes a mistake deliberately, what do we say? Be careful next time. Right? Or we say something at least. Even if it's one word, one expression, one sentence, to make the other person feel that we're not happy with them. But what should we remember? That mistakes are called mistakes because they're not done deliberately. This is why an accident is called an accident. No one does it deliberately. So just relax. I was just reflecting on this and I was really ashamed that honestly we panic and we complain and we become impatient like there's no tomorrow. Really. On the slightest of things. If we have to wait for someone five minutes, if we are delayed because of traffic, if we are delayed because of someone else's mistake, we become very, very impatient. Exactly. We start pointing fingers, blaming one another, or start fighting and arguing. There's no benefit in that. Look at the attitude of the Prophet ﷺ. So calm, he's sleeping, he's fine. I mean, maktub, right? So what? Okay, this has happened, relax. My mother, she has this attitude. MashaAllah, I've, I've seen this. That no matter what happens, she's like, it's another experience. There's also learning in this. There's also learning in this. And really there is. There is always, there is learning in every situation, every problem. That when we're getting late because of other people, still being relaxed in that situation. Aisha was very young. And for her to lose this necklace was acceptable because she was a young girl. Then we also learn over here about the fact that it is permissible for a man to discipline his daughter, whether she is young or old, single or married. Because Abu Bakr anhu, he came and he scolded, he rebuked Aisha because he was not happy with what she had done. One could have said that she she's married, leave her alone. Now her husband is her boss, but still the father is coming and disciplining his daughter. So the parents can do that even if their children are married. That we also learn over here about the love and respect and care and concern that Aisha had for the Prophet ﷺ. That despite being hurt, she did not move. Because otherwise the Prophet ﷺ would get disturbed. She knew how much he loved her and how much her father respected him. If she wanted, she could have screamed and he would have woken up and Abu Bakr would not have dared to say anything to her. But she didn't. Monkey see, monkey do, right? Whatever we see, that's what we do. That's what we imitate. Then we also learn in this hadith about the evidence that some people are a source of blessing for others. That Allah blesses people through others. That a person does something or comes somewhere and because of them or because of their action, Allah sends His blessing upon the rest of the people. Isn't this true? Have you felt it? Have you experienced it? Do you miss it these days? Anyway, 
So this is true because Aisha anha her necklace it got lost, but because of that, what happened? The verses of Tayammum were revealed. Yes, and you see that her losing her necklace was a source of blessing for the companions who were present at that time, and also for the companions who were not there, and for the rest of the ummah until the day of judgment. And this has happened numerous times in her life. Remember the incident of Ifk? What happened at that occasion also? Something that was so difficult for her, but still there was so much blessing, so much goodness that came out of that incident. So this is the reason why the companion, Usaid bin Hudayr, what did he say? That this is not the first time that we have received blessings through you, O family of Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr anhu, he traveled with the Prophet wasallam from Makkah to Medina in the Hijrah. He guarded the Prophet ﷺ. And we just know about the story of the Hijrah very briefly. If you go into the details, you learn about how much Abu Bakr ﷺ, he strove to protect the Prophet ﷺ and to ensure that he came safely from Makkah to Medina. So many blessings Allah granted to this ummah through the family of Abu Bakr. And Allah blesses people through the presence of others and through the actions of others. This is why sometimes it may happen that we feel that the coming of an individual or the presence of an individual or their actions may be very difficult for us or may, be, may become a burden for us. But in reality, they're a source of blessing. So many couples say that when they had their child, that's when they started making more money. That's when things just started working out. People look at it the other way, that it's going to be too expensive. We can't afford to have a child. But once that baby comes, that's when the risk comes as well. That blessings come after suffering. They had to wait for so long, their entire trip got messed up. Allahu alam, how much they suffered because of this delay. And they had to search, they had to wait for so long. Aisha had to hear everything. Abu Bakr had to hear so much from the people. The people were panicking because of their salah. But eventually what happened? A blessing came. That Abu Bakr he was a very kind person, very gentle person. But because of all that he saw, the pressure that came on him because of what the people were saying to him, he became upset at that time. So we're human. That if someone has made a mistake, or someone has done something, then we don't need to talk to other people about it over and over again. Unless we need to solve the problem, that's a different situation. But when we're not authorized to do anything to solve the problem, please, don't talk about it. Because then what's happening? We're spreading negative feelings, right? We're pressurizing others to take action immediately when they cannot do anything. If the Prophet ﷺ decided to stay back, he decided to stay back. Nobody could do anything about that. So what's the point in saying anything to Abu Bakr? If the Prophet ﷺ accepted, then you're saying to Abu Bakr will not make any difference. So when someone's made a mistake, let's stop talking about it. Let's stop talking about it. Let's stop talking about other people and start talking about ourselves. This is what I was saying, that if Aisha wanted, she could have woken him up. And then Abu Bakr would not have said anything to her at all. But she didn't. She respected her father and she cared for her husband. Then we also see that there may be something that we dislike, but Allah places much good in it. And sometimes a person is looking for something all over, but in reality it's very close to him. They were looking for the necklace everywhere, but when the camel got up, that's where it was. So always remember that there is something that Allah is teaching you through that incident. 
But when our anger takes over, you know what anger does? It covers everything, hides everything, dulls our senses. Then you can't think, you can't reflect, you can't take a lesson at all. Your irrationality goes away. حدثنا محمد بن سنان قال حدثنا هشيم حاء قال وحدثني سعيد بن النضغ قال أخبرنا هشيم قال أخبرنا سيار قال حدثنا يزيد هو ابن صهيب الفقير قال أخبرنا جابر بن عبد الله أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he said أعطيت خمسا I have been given five meaning five blessings I have been given لم يعطهن أحد قبلي None at all has been given those before me Meaning no messenger has been given these unique blessings that only I have been granted. نُصِرْتُ بِالرُّعْبِ I have been helped with awe. مَسِيرَةَ شَهْرٍ مَسِيرَة The journey of shahrin a month. Meaning a month's journey. The distance that is covered in a month's journey. That distance, if that were between me and my enemy, my enemy would still be afraid of me. He would still be afraid of me. So Allah has helped me in this way. وَجُعِلَتْ لِيَ الْأَرْضُ مَسْجِدًا وَطَهُورًا Secondly, the earth, the entire earth has been made for me, masjid, a place of prayer, and also tahur, a means of purification. فَأَيُّمَا رَجُلٍ So any man, and by extension it also means any woman, مِنْ أُمَّتِي from my nation, أَدْرَكَتْهُ الصَّلَاةُ Salah overtakes him, meaning the time of salah comes upon him, فَلْيُصَلِّ Then he should pray. Why? Because he can pray anywhere. And if he doesn't have water, he can do tayammum. Because mud is also a means of purification. وَأُحِلَّتْ Thirdly, and it has been made permissible. Leave for me al-maghanimu. War booty. وَلَمْ تُحِلَّ لِي أَحَدٍ قَبْلِي And it was not made permissible for anyone before me. Fourthly, وَأُعْطِيتُ الشَّفَاعَةَ And I have been given a shafa'ah. Meaning on the Day of Judgment, he will be honored with the permission to intercede. وَكَانَ نَبِيُّ And a prophet would be, يُبْعَثُ He would be sent إِلَى قَوْمِهِ To his nation خَاصَّةً Exclusively. وَبُعِثْتُ And I have been sent إِلَى النَّاسِ To all people عَامَّةً Generally. Meaning, every prophet before me was sent only to his people, but I have been sent to all of mankind. Now in this hadith we see that the Prophet ﷺ is mentioning the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestowed upon him. Why? وَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ And over here in this hadith we see that he mentions five unique blessings. Even though there were more than five. The scholars have listed up to 30 unique blessings that only he was granted. Right? Meaning no other prophet was given. But over here he mentioned only five. This doesn't mean that he was given only five. But over here he was mentioning only five. This is just like in the Qur'an we learn, وَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ right? And a certain character is mentioned. Who is more unjust than such and such? And you think that this is the height of injustice. But then at another place you read, وَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ So it doesn't mean that this is the only person who is at the height of injustice, but there is several. But in this context, one is being mentioned. So likewise over here, five blessings are being mentioned. First of all, رُعْب Fear and awe that his enemies had of him. This is how terrified the average enemy was. Of him. And Rorb is the greatest and the strongest weapon that one can have against the enemy. Because then the enemy cannot withstand you, cannot face you. Have you ever experienced this, that if you are afraid of someone, then even if your heart is full of rage 
and your heart is full of things that you want to say to them, you first of all cannot face them. And if you do face them, your tongue is tied. Does it happen? Yes. Why? Because that person has rub. You are in awe of him. You are afraid of him. So when Allah blessed the Prophet ﷺ with rub, this was like the strongest defense that he had been given, the strongest weapon that he had been given. Secondly, that the entire earth is a place of prayer and purification. Now over here, notice the word al-ard. Al-ard, al is for umum. And it gives the meaning of kullu ard, the entire earth. So if someone says that it is not permissible to pray in a particular land, in a particular area, then dalil is needed, evidence is needed. And there are some places where it is not permissible to pray. And for them, there is evidence. What's the evidence? So for example, first of all, a graveyard. A hadith in Tirmidhi, it states very clearly, the entire earth is masjid except maqbara and hammam. Except for the graveyard and the washroom, the toilet. So firstly, graveyards, not allowed to pray there. Secondly, hammam, bathrooms, a place that has been designated for using the toilet, even though that place may be very clean, but still that place has been designated for this purpose. Thirdly, the pens of camels. Okay, the area where camels are kept, where they sleep, where they rest, where they eat, where they drink. Why? We learned earlier that their urine and their feces are actually tahir because of the shaitan. Right? We learned about this earlier that al ibil khuliqat min shayateen. Only camels, not sheep and goats, but uh, camels. Fourthly, a place where we're not allowed to pray is al-makanun najis, meaning a place that is impure. A place that has impurity. Doesn't have to be the bathroom, could be even your bedroom. Could be even, you know, outside somewhere. But if there is impurity somewhere, you're not allowed to pray there. وَطَهِّرْ بَيْتِي لِلطَّائِفِينَ وَالْعَاكِفِينَ وَالْرُكَّعِ السُّجُودِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded Ibrahim alayhi salam to purify the house. So تَطْهِيرُ الْبُقْعَ The area has to be clean. Where you're praying, that spot has to be clean. Now some scholars, they extended this condition of cleanliness, not just the spot where you're praying, but the area. Okay, which is what we discussed earlier in Kitab al And some said that no. If the spot where you're praying at, if that is clean, you can pray there. Meaning there could be najasa next to you. But still, you can pray. As long as you are not touching that najasa and your clothes are not touching that najasa. So for example, you could be praying on a prayer mat. For example. And let's say there is a baby and walks in and, and their diaper is leaking. And they sit on the prayer mat. And as they get up, you see a spot there. Okay, You're praying, but you notice a spot over there. Now that baby walked away. Are you supposed to break your prayer? No. Because where you are praying, where you are going to prostrate, the part you are going to touch, your clothes are going to touch, that is clean. Do you understand? So some scholars said that no, the entire area has to be clean. But others said that no, the very spot where you are praying, that has to be clean. And this is the stronger opinion, the majority opinion. So these are the four places where it is not allowed to pray. So the entire place, the entire earth has been made a masjid, place of prayer. And secondly, tahur. So this means that every kind of earth, soil, rock, pebbles, natural ground is permissible for performing tayammum with. Which means that when the time comes to pray, then the person has masjid and tahur. So he should do tayammum and pray. He does not need to wait until 
the end of the, the time of the salah to find water and then pray. No, he will do tayammum and pray once the time enters. Now, one question. The time for salah entered. Okay, it came. You don't have water. The Prophet ﷺ said in this hadith, what do we learn? That any person from my ummah, فَأَيُّمَا رَجِلٍ مِّنْ أُمَّتِي أَدْرَكَتْهُ صَلَاتُ فَلْيُصَلِّ He should pray. So the time entered, and you don't have water at that time. So you do tayammum and you pray. Okay? You do tayammum and you pray. Now after a little while, you find water. Let's say you pray zuhur. The time for zuhur has not ended yet. And you found water. Are you supposed to repeat your prayer? No, you're not required to. Are you supposed to wait until the very end of the time of zuhur? You said that, no, no, I'm not going to do tayammum and pray. I'm going to wait. I'm going to keep looking for water until the very end. No, that's not a condition. That's not a condition. Because praying at the first time okay, is preferable. Okay, So you should pray at that time. You don't have to wait until the end. Over here we see that Nusirtu bil but the Prophet ﷺ was helped with Rurb. Meaning Allah helped him, Allah gave him victory through Rurb. That his enemy had fear of him. But it's not necessary that it's just the enemy who has fear of an individual. It's possible there is no animosity, but just love and respect because of which a person you know, is in awe of an individual. But that extreme fear should not make you feel uncomfortable and awkward and hesitant so that you're not able to do anything at all. Because sometimes this kind of fear is not good. There is a particular scholar, for example, and they really respect them and they really you know, look up to them and they're also afraid of them. They become nervous when they're around, but they benefit a lot from them. Now, let's say they're sitting in their class, in their lecture, they have a question to ask, but they're too afraid to ask. This kind of fear, hesitation is not good because it's preventing you from khair. For hadith number 334, I was also thinking generally people's responses are what their response was when they went to uh, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. But what is so noticeable is the response of Usaid ibn al-Hudayr. He was so positive, he wasn't intimidated or afraid of how the whole caravan was talking against or talking down with regards to Aisha radiallahu anha or criticizing her negligence so to say but he was the one who stood out he didn't care about what others were saying and he you know recorded these words that now I'm thinking they're recorded in Bukhari (laughs) and everybody till the end of time whenever who is studying Bukhari we know of this person's name because he was so positive and he wasn't afraid that everyone else had criticism so let me just not say anything he brought out such a good point regarding the blessing that we have received. I'd just like to add something here. It's perspective, right? Difference in perspective. The glasses have empty or half full. It depends on how you look at it. And the other thing I was thinking with regards to this is when all this has happened and then the hadith says, فَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ آيَةَ التَّيَمُمُ if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had wanted, He would have given the ruling of tayammum to the Muslim ummah before, early on, even before the caravan had stopped and everything. But this is of the wisdom and hikmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes that He would, you know, bring to light some knowledge, something at a certain situation. And this is, yes. we see in Wahi all the time. Exactly. That some verses were revealed in a certain context as a solution to the problem that the Muslims were facing as an answer to the question that was raised, and sometimes without that context being there. It's just like when you learn an ayah and you're experiencing it yourself, then you never forget it. You remember it. 
how relaxed the Prophet ﷺ was and how, how he trusted Allah that he knew there was no water and there was no concept of tayammum at that time. But whatever happens, happens for a reason. I mean, panicking and, and anger is not going to solve anything. The Prophet ﷺ would pray on his ride because when you're riding an animal, you are in control of it. But when you are not riding the animal, then the animal can come and harm you very easily. باب إذا لم يجد ماء ولا تراب When a person does not find water, nor dust, nor any earth. So a person is stuck in a snowstorm, he is in a very clean airplane, he didn't expect the delay, the delay happened, he didn't think that the time of salah would come, or he intended to bring along something for tayammum, but he forgot. It's possible, right? Or a person is extremely sick, and he's unable to make tayammum. Once somebody had asked a question that, they were stuck in the snowstorm and there was snow everywhere, no mud anywhere, no dirt anywhere. The car was clean, there was no dust, so how should they do tayammum in that case? Now the thing is that salah is fault, it is mandatory. And under no circumstances should salah be left or delayed deliberately. Deliberately. The only exception is when a person is unconscious or is asleep. Therefore, just because a person is not able to perform wudu or is not able to perform tayammum, it doesn't mean that he will leave his salah or he will delay his salah. No, he still has to pray on time. But how can he? Without tayammum and without wudu. He will pray as he is. What's the evidence? حدثنا زكريا ابن يحيى قال حدثنا عبد الله ابن نمير قال حدثنا هشام ابن عروة عن أبيه عن عائشة أنها that indeed she استعارت she borrowed من أسماء from أسماء her sister, Qiladatan, a necklace. Fahalakat, so it broke and it got lost. Fabaratha Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam rajulan, so the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sent a man. Fawajdaha, then he eventually found it. Fadrakat humus salatu, and the time of salah came upon them. Walaysa ma'ahum ma'un, and they had no water for salu, so they prayed as they were. Without wudu, and there was no time at that time. فَشَكَوْ ذَلِكَ إِلَىٰ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمُ So they complained to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم about this. فَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ آيَةَ التَّيَمُّمُ So Allah revealed the verse of tayammum. فَقَالَ أُسَيْدُ بْنُ خُضَيْرِ So Usaid bin Khudayr, he said, لِعَائِشَةَ تُعَائِشَ الْضِلَوْ عَنْهَا جَزَاكِ اللَّهُ خَيْرًا May Allah reward you with good. فَوَاللَّهِ So by Allah, مَا نَزَلَ بِكِ أَمْرٌ Descend, meaning it never happened. Biki with you, amrun, any matter, nothing has happened with you, that takrahinahu, that you dislike, illa except ja'alallahu dhaliki laki walil muslimina fihi khayran. Except that Allah made that for you and for the Muslims because of that or in that much good. There has never been anything that has happened with you and you dislike it, but Allah placed much good in it for you and for the rest of the Muslims. Now this is, incident is the same, but it's mentioned in an abridged way. Apparently there seems to be contradiction, but there is no contradiction. It's just mentioned in an abridged way that the Prophet ﷺ stopped and he sent people to look for the necklace and eventually the necklace was found. And what we learn here is that the people were panicking, they had no water, and they prayed without water because the time of salah was going. Okay, so they prayed without water and obviously they did not do tayammum over here. So that's exactly what we learn. That when a person does not find water or the means to do tayammum, then he will pray as is. And 
Later on, in this incident, when the verses of Taimum were revealed, the people were not told to repeat their prayer. So this means that their prayer without tayammum, without wudu was valid. Alright? So why? Because فَاتَّقُوا مَسْتَطَعْتُمْ Fear Allah as much as you are capable. لَا يُكَلِّفُ اللَّهُ نَفْسًا إِلَّا وُسْعَهَا And remember that one can pray faraid as well as nawafil. You can pray your fard, you can pray your nafil, you can pray your sunnah as much as you want, even without wudu and tayammum when that's not a possibility for you. So that means that it's okay. That if a person does not have the means to do tayammum even, then he will pray as he is. That when the time for prayer comes in, first of all a person will look for water. He will try his best to find water. If he's not able to, then he will do tayammum. If he's not able to tayammum, he will search for it, he will try his best. If he's not able to, then he will pray as is. And there may be situations where a person isn't able to tayammum even. You know, for example, a person is sick. They're at a hospital. Or they're in a bed. And there may be water. They may be able to tayammum even. But there's nobody to help them. There's nobody to help them. They're not able to move even. So in that case, what should they do? Not pray? They're conscious. They're alert. That she's mentioning that once she was extremely sick, she was not able to move and there was nobody home. She was not able to move at all. And she could not do wudu. She could not do tayammum and... That's how she had to pray. So a person could be in such a situation. This is why it's necessary to remember this. If you were stuck in this, may Allah protect you. But if you were, then then where would you do tayammum from? How would you do tayammum? Tell me. There's carpet beneath your feet. This carpet, is it natural material? Natural soil? It's not natural soil. This table that you have in front of you, it's wood. It's not tree. First of all, it's not tree, so you don't do taimum with this wood. Okay, the windowsill, there may be dust on it. Okay, maybe if you really strike the carpet hard, there will be dust in it. So that means the, the carpet is dusty. So the dust in the carpet, you can use that because dust comes from where? From soil. What else can you try? Walls, again, they're painted, but you have to check. If there is dust on it, then you will use that dust. Yes, if there are plants... Alhamdulillah, it's all clean. The question is that if there is a pot, plants, then can you use that mud? Of course you can. Definitely you can. The mud can be wet, it can be dry, it can be sand, it can have fertilizer as well. Every kind of natural soil. Al-Ard. When it comes to wood, okay, when it comes to wood, if it is attached to the ground in the sense that it is connected with it, muttasil with it, it is connected with it, not that it is sitting on top of it, but it is in the earth, okay? Like the roots are spread all over the earth. Part of the tree is actually under the earth, okay? So in that case, you will, you can do taimum with that tree. The carpet itself, no. But if there's dust on it, yes. Just like the wall, the painted wall itself, no. But if there's dust on it, then yeah. So if you have an allergy to dust, then you make sure that you blow really well. See, you don't find ground that is made of gold. No, no, I'm just saying that gold, you, you don't find gold just sitting there. Okay. Or the ground being made of it. But rock, you see rocky terrain, you see rocky mountains. Okay. So it's a different thing. Okay. Subhanakallahum bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.